0: You're listening to the Catholic Accent podcast. In this podcast, we discuss the acts and miracles that Jesus performed that stunned his disciples.
1: And we're back. <laughs> we are. <laughs> you want to do that? Oh, sorry Jordan, but I'd be happy to. A little yeah, guest introduction. Well, here we are back at the Catholic Accent podcast and I'm Father Chris Pujol and with me is Father Andrew Hamilton and Mr. Jordan Whiteco from the Communications Office here at the Diocese of Greensburg. That was nice. Oh, thanks. You know, I've been learning a lot from you over these past few weeks. (laughs) What are we talking about today? Today, we are going to be talking about the wonderful story of Lazarus, that great guy from the Bible who died, came back from the dead, stunned. So Jordan, how about you lead us into what's going on here?
0: So some will argue that the raising of Lazarus is Jesus's most important miracle and the miracle that leads us to Jesus's death a short time later. Why is this miracle so shocking? I mean, other than obviously someone's being raised from the dead. You
2: got it. (laughs) That's why it's very shocking. So, Why did this upset the uh, Jewish leaders so much? Well, it gives great credence to everything that Jesus has been saying, right? That he's been working these great miracles, but one miracle certainly that you could never do unless you were, of course, God raising somebody from the dead. And there was a whole group of Jews who did not believe in the resurrection of the dead.
1: Now, here, though, I think before we dive in deep, it's important to say that the rising of Lazarus is a resuscitation of the body. It's not his resurrection. Christ has been resurrected Mm -hmm. because he has received his body back in a glorified manner, in the manner that we will receive it on the last day when our souls are reunited with our earthly bodies and we rise from the tombs and all the tombs open. This is a resuscitation, where Lazarus has died, he's been placed in the tomb, good friend of Jesus. Jesus comes to mourn his friend's loss, and to show his power and authority over all of creation, he resuscitates him by calling into the tomb, Lazarus, come out. Was anyone with him when he did this? Oh, yeah. Well,
2: the, the Jews were gathered around the to Jews witness it, on. as well as Martha and Mary, mm-hmm. the, the sisters of Lazarus. Before we even get to there, though, so one of the things leading up to the raising of Lazarus is that Jesus is not right at Bethany where Lazarus and Mary and Martha live together, but they're a little bit far away, and he gets word and message that Lazarus is essentially sick and everything else like that, and then he does something very odd. He waits. Waits. Two days. And so it's an interesting... Two days after his death. No, before. He, hmm. wait, he
1: waits two days from the moment he hears that Lazarus is ill. So the news is brought to him, Master, the one you love is ill. And Jesus heard this, and then he remained
2: for two days in the place where he was. And he explains it, though, to his apostles, disciples that are with him, that it's really, again, as we talk about the Gospel of John, this is going to be a sign of Christ's glory, his ability to raise Lazarus from the dead. An interesting person that I'm always stunned by whenever we meet him in the Scriptures is St. Thomas. We always remember St. Thomas for his doubting. But interestingly, in this part of Scripture, in the 11th chapter of John, Thomas says something very brave. He says to the rest of the apostles, because they're worried that going closer to Bethany, closer to Jerusalem, that Jesus is going to get killed as well as all of them together. And Thomas says to the rest of them, let us go to die with Jesus. Mm
0: -hmm. Why why wait two days? Why not go immediately? Why did he want the, the drama, if you will?
1: Well, Jesus starts to—he obviously, as God, knows what he's about Mm -hmm. to do, Mm -hmm. and he wants to teach the disciples, right? So as rabbi, a teacher, he wants them to learn the message of the gospel and what he's come to do. And so that's why when he hears this, Jesus says, finally, let us go to Judea. The disciples fret. They've already tried to stone and kill you there. Let's not. Then we hear Thomas say, let's go. When he hears— of Lazarus's death, Jesus says something very peculiar. I'm glad that I was not there, that you may believe. Now let us go to him. Okay. So he wanted them to see
0: and
2: know that Lazarus was dead. In a lot of ways, this is the greatest sign. They've seen everything, that- transfiguration, everything else down the line, but now you're seeing, okay, God has control even over death itself, mm-hmm. and that... He can, he can even see through death to bring life, which is his mission on the earth, which is to bring us to the fullness of eternal life, dwelling eternally with God rather than remaining in death.
1: Especially since we have to remember prior to the fall in the garden in Genesis, there was no death. Sin brings about death. And so what Jesus is doing is restoring life and saying, yes, death will happen, and even he himself will suffer death. But that's not the end of the story.
2: We hear that the wages of sin is death. And so it's the the in that way, like the natural consequence that comes about. But that doesn't mean that's where we end. But rather, Christ takes us through that to life itself. Mm-hmm. I'm always moved in this passage as well as Christ coming to his good friend and coming to Martha and Mary and them saying to him, Lord, had you been here, you could have... Saved my brother, essentially. This wouldn't have happened. Right. Where were you? And Jesus has it's, to show them that this world isn't what we are meant to be forever. Or made for. But is that why Jesus I. wept? Well, in his
1: human nature, he also wept because uh, their lack of faith, but also because he loved his friend Lazarus. Yeah. And so he cried for that. But I, I tend to believe, too, that when he heard Martha and Mary kind of complaining, if you will, Because really, Jesus could have got there on time. Mm -hmm. He was only, it says, you know, uh, two miles away. He could have been there. And they're saying, oh, Lord, you know, if you were here, this wouldn't have happened. And so he's both weeping for the lack
2: of faith, and he's weeping for his friend. Now, I think this would have stunned the apostles and disciples. One, the miracle itself, but watching Jesus cry... Often I use this in my funeral homilies, if I'm able to choose the gospel, because it shows the great love that God has for us. Jesus knows that he's the resurrection and the life. Mm -hmm. He knows the end of the story, Mm -hmm. and yet he still enters into our suffering so much so that he weeps with us. That's a God I can trust. That's a God that I could follow through anything, because he's there with me, even in the midst of great suffering and trial. And so it's, I think it's said to be one of the shortest lines of scripture or the shortest Jesus wept, right? But it's something that has great and profound meaning for us in a way that we can connect to our God. And I'm sure the apostles and the Jews and the disciples, everybody around at that time were stunned by, but in a way that really led them to greater belief in Christ, especially then as he moves into the raising of Lazarus. And then the Jews on the sidelines, you know, you can almost hear them rustling
1: because they're watching all this happen. And similar to the wedding at Cana, a, a death in this time is a community event. Everyone's coming together to mourn. Oftentimes there was paid mourners, and the Jews are whispering. Even back then there were paid mourners. Oh, absolutely. Wow. Not just you, Jordan. <laughs> <crying>. <laughs> Wipe those tears. And uh, But they're saying to each other, see how he loved him, see how he loved him. But then they start to question who Jesus is, and they say, hmm. The one who opened the eyes of the blind, he could have done something. Mm -hmm. Mm. This man didn't have to die. And I love this. It says, Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb and told them, open it up. And the first reaction is a human reaction. Lord, we can't. There'll be a stench. It's been four days. But he insists. And so even in our own lives of suffering and misery, we think sometimes we're not good enough to receive the 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 voice of the Lord in our hearts. We stink. We stink. Pope Francis always says we should smell like the sheep, and sheep stink. So. <laughs> mm-hmm,
2: There's an interesting part about that four days. Mm-hmm. That there was a belief in uh, ancient Israel that the spirit of the body would hang around for a certain amount of time, usually around three days, and then beyond that would be separated from the body. Meaning that, like, whenever Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, it being four days? The Spirit would have been... Yeah, he's not there. Like, Lazarus is not there. It's even more so, yeah. yeah, Like, wild to them that this
1: is happening. And then we see that great gesture of Jewish prayer, where Jesus raises his eyes to heaven. And so for anyone who's ever been at at the celebration of Mass, when we hear in the Roman canon the first Eucharistic prayer, when when the priest takes the bread you know, he raises his eyes to heaven, to you, O God, his almighty Father. And here we see it happening again. Jesus is raising his eyes to his heavenly Father, calling down the Spirit of God, his own power and divinity, to raise Lazarus. And he seeks his Father's will first. And then he says those beautiful words, Lazarus, come out. And that's when the dead man, tied up and bound, walks out when I was a kid, I always thought this scene seemed like, the, the you know, the mommy, yeah. Mm. <laughs> a
2: little much toilet paper, you know, too much toilet <laughs> paper wrapped around.
0: Uh, going back to Martha, Martha gives an important testimony to Jesus's power in the gospel when she says that she believes that Jesus is the Messiah and Son of God. Uh, what testimony do we give as disciples today who we believe that Jesus is?
2: I think even in the midst of great tragedy, which is still saying that I don't understand this fully. I can't get a necessary grasp of all the elements. Why, God, would you allow these terrible things to happen? Mm. I'm thinking in my mind of the terrible fires that maybe happened in Maui, and people ask questions about natural disasters and why God would allow this and all this evil in the world, and how could there be a good God? But I think in the Scriptures is where we find our good God walking beside us who's saying there's a reason for this. I have not willed this. I don't want evil in the world. I want to eradicate it and get rid of it and bring everyone to glory. But in that, uh, we might not see exactly how God's doing all of that, but we can trust Him because He's in the struggle with us. He's in the suffering, and we can find Him there.
1: So today, I think for us as believers, when we celebrate funeral liturgies, we hear in the prayers and in the readings and in the ritual of the church that... You know, we leave our brother here, we leave our sister here in the peace of Christ until we rise again in glory, and so it gives us great hope when we hear this, where we see Lazarus coming out of the tomb, knowing that when we leave our beloved family and friends in the tomb, in the ground, in the grave, that that's not the end of the story. And so, this passage itself not only shows God's power but gives us the hope we need. To push forward and to know that this world is fleeting, we're fleeting, but the eternity to come is so much more than anything we could have now.
2: One thing I'm always struck by is that so he's resuscitated, he comes back to life. Well, what happens to Lazarus presumably down the line? Right. He's yeah. going to die. Gonna he dies die yet right? again. Yeah. So he, it's kind of like one of those stories that we have in the modern day where somebody passes away, you know, they, they flatline on something mm-hmm. and then they they're see the light. Back, yeah. Right. But not of our four previous, days, like
0: not two days later.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. He saw a lot. <laughs> he, saw, so he, he saw he saw more than probably just like, the light. He had a lot of time to contemplate. Right. Yeah. He was there for a bit. But but he probably said, "Jesus, why would you bring me back to this earth?" <laughs> yeah, that's true too. And in
2: one of the previous podcasts, though, about our Mount Rushmore people to talk to at mm-hmm. the Mount of Transfiguration, Mount Tabor, I said Lazarus because I would love to talk to him. One because he so intimately knew Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're told as a friend, Jesus weeps at at his death specifically. But then beyond that, what did he see? What mm. was that experience? That kind of prefigured the upcoming death of Jesus who then is buried in a tomb and then That's a good point.
0: Like Christ. I would yeah. I would choose Lazarus now. You're welcome. I want I want to know.
2: It also makes me think
1: too like we know that prior to the death of Christ and his resurrection that the gates of heaven were closed, right? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like Jesus is bringing Lazarus back to wait to die again until after Jesus has opened the gates of paradise. Because he loves him so much he doesn't want him to have to go through that experience of being without god and so we know lazarus is going to die again and if lazarus died after our lord then he would be able to actually die and enter into the heavenly kingdom which he would not have been able to do prior to the death of christ and his resurrection so how much do you love your friends jordan
0: (sighs) (laughs) depends on how much energy he had to like Expend on you. Expend. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, my friends. I mean, there's probably a couple that I would want to bring back for sure. Uh, some other ones I'd be like, the "Stench I, isn't I, worth it." I, I can. Yeah, I could do without it. <laughs> How about you? Or would you want? Would you even want them to come back if they're experiencing? You know,
2: eternal bliss isn't part of this though. Like whenever people die, we say this so often in funerals. That like funerals, we certainly pray for those that are the deceased and they need our prayers, especially if they need to come to greater perfection through purgatory than to heaven. But beyond that, like we pray in the funeral liturgy for the family. And for
1: ourselves. For the people there, Mm -hmm. yeah,
2: because we're mourning the loss of somebody. And so, like you mentioned, we might want to bring back somebody more than they want to be brought back in that Mm -hmm. sense. If they're already reveling in the greatness of God, they're in a better place than we are now. And we hope that they draw... Us up with that and pray you know. for us. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. that's why for millennia we've had such a great devotion to the holy souls in purgatory. And I remember as a kid, one of our teachers telling us in school um, that the more souls in purgatory we pray for, that as they make their way into heaven, they will pray for us. And maybe that's a selfish motive, but I'm thinking I'm gonna we're all gonna need all the help we can get. We'll be turning out the lights in purgatory, <laughs> exactly. We got to end it. No, <laughs> but, but even purgatory is a beautiful grace that the Lord gives us a gift where we're allowed to cleanse ourselves Mm -hmm. of that which keeps us from
2: him. And the church explains herself in a way that's threefold. The church militant, which is us fighting for our salvation here on earth, still in the struggle. Mm -hmm. Then the church suffering, those in purgatory that are awaiting their full purification and entrance into heaven, which need our prayers here on earth and the help of the saints. And then the The church church triumphant, those saints that are already with God that are praying for us, that are helping those in purgatory that want all of us to be drawn to God in the end
1: because they see God face-to-face.
2: Do you want to close us out?
1: Well, I think that's all our time we've had today, and it's been great. I don't want to drive us into the tomb, but uh, here we are, and St. Lazarus is a wonderful example for each of us to continue to call upon the Lord. We know that in the dark moments of our life that he's not only saying Lazarus, but he's saying Jordan, he's saying Andrew, he's saying Beth, he's calling us to new life and to freedom in him. So... It's been great to join you all again this week on the Catholic Accent Podcast. Wow. So much better. Good ending. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Catholic Accent
0: Podcast. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe to our show.